Chapter Fifteen of the Mystery of the Sycamore by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Awful Truth. Well, Fibs said Stone, as the two sat alone in Concave, what about Rachel's story? You know, F. Stone, how I hate to doubt a lady's word, but not to put too fine a point upon it the fair rachel lied you think so too eh and just why under orders she was coached in her part told exactly what to say by whom oh you know as well as i do you're just leading me on well he coached her all right and she got scared before the performance came off and that's why she ran away yes i agree to all that keefe of course being the coach yes sir he's doing it to save the wheelers you see he's so desperately in love with miss maida that it sort of blinds his judgment and cleverness just how well you know his is love at first sight practically look here terence you know a great deal about love yes sir it comes natural to me i'm a born lover i am had much experience not yet but my day's coming well never mind me to get back to friend keefe here's the way it is miss wheeler is sort of engaged to mr allen and yet the matter isn't quite settled either i get that from the servants mean to gossip but that's all fair in love and sleuthing now mr keefe comes along sees the lovely maida and zip his heart is cracked all might yet be well but for the wily genevieve she has her cap set for keefe and he knows it and was satisfied it should be so till he saw miss wheeler now the fat's in the fire and no pitch hot you do pick up a lot of general information it's necessary sir the red-head nodded emphatically these side lights often point the way to the great and shining truth for don't you see mr keefe being so gone on miss maida naturally doesn't want her or her people suspected of this crime even if one of them is guilty so he fixes up a cock-and-bull story about a bugle man on the south veranda this man he argues did the shooting he gets rachel he must have had some hold on her barbary wouldn't be enough and he fair crams the bugler yarn down her throat and orders her to recite it as gospel truth then she gets scared and runs away exactly you see it that way don't you mr stone the earnest little face looked up to the master terence mcguire was developing a wonderful gift for psychological detective work and sometimes he let his imagination run away with him in such cases stone tripped him up and turned him back to the right track both had an inkling that the day might eventually come when stone would retire and mcguire would reign in his stead but this was as yet merely a dream and at present they worked together in unison and harmony yes fibsy at least i see it may have been that way but it's a big order to put on to mr keefe i know but he's a big man i mean a man of big notions and projects anybody can see that now he's 
awful anxious miss wheeler and mr wheeler shall be cleared of all suspicion even if he thinks one of them is guilty he doesn't consider mrs wheeler i guess nobody does now probably not go on well so keefe he thinks if he can get this bugler person guaranteed by a reliable and responsible witness which of course rachel would seem to be then mr keefe thinks he's got the wheelers cleared now rachel getting cold feet about it all goes back on keefe oh i could see it in his face yes he looked decidedly annoyed at rachel's failure of a convincing performance he did so now mr stone even if he bolsters up rachel's story or gets her to tell it more convincingly we know you and i that it isn't true there wasn't any man on the south veranda sure terence yes sir i'm pretty sure for what became of him where did he vanish to who was he there was never any bugler i mean as a murderer the piper who piped some nights previous had nothing to do with the case sure terence oh come now mr stone i was sure till you say that at me so dubious like and then i'm not so sure well go on with your theory and let's see where you come out you may be on the right track after all i'm not sure of many points myself yet all right to my mind it comes back to a toss-up between miss maida and her father with the odds in favor of the old gentleman agree i might if i understood your english the odds in favor of mr wheeler indicating his guilt or innocence his guilt i meant f stone i can't think that sweet young lady would do it and this isn't because she is a sweet young lady but because it isn't hardly plausible that she's put the thing over even though she was willing enough to do so it seems so to me too but we can't bank on that maida wheeler is a very impulsive girl very vigorous and athletic and very devoted to her father she worships him and she has been known to say she would willingly kill old mr appleby these things must be remembered fibsy that's so but i've noticed that when folks threaten to kill people they most generally don't do it i've also noticed that but striking out maida's name leaves us only mr wheeler well ain't he the one ain't he the downtrodden oppressed victim who at last has opportunity and who is goaded to the point of desperation by the arguments of his enemy you grow oratorical but i admit you have an argument course i have now say we've got to choose between miss wheeler and mr wheeler how do we go about it how why we find out how mr appleby was sitting how mr wheeler was facing at the moment and also miss maida's position then we find out the direction from which the bullet entered the body and then we can tell who fired the shot i've done all that fibs stone returned with no note of superiority in his voice i found out all those things and the result proves that the bullet entered mr appleby's body from the direction of miss maida in the bay window and directly opposite from what would have been its direction if fired by mr wheeler from where he stood when seen directly after the shot 
Fibsy looked dejected. He made no response to this disclosure for a moment. Then he said, All right, F. Stone. In that case, I'm going over to Mr. Keefe's side, and I'm going to hunt up the bugler. A fictitious person? Maybe he ain't so fictitious after all. And the redhead shook doggedly. A tap at the door of Stone's sitting room was followed by a, May I come in? and the entrance of Daniel Wheeler. The time has come, Mr. Wheeler, Stone began a little abruptly, to put all our cards on the table. I've investigated things pretty thoroughly, and though I'm not all through with my quest, I feel as if I must know the truth as to what you know about the murder. I have confessed, Wheeler began, but Stone stopped him. That won't do he said very seriously. I've proved positively that from where you stood you could not have fired the shot. It came from the opposite direction. Now it's useless for you to keep up that pretense of being the criminal, which, I've no doubt, you're going to shield your daughter. Confide in me, Mr. Wheeler. It will not harm the case. God help me, I must confide in somebody, cried the desperate man. She did do it. I saw Maida fire the shot. Oh, can you save her? I wouldn't tell you this, but I think, I hope you can help better if you know. You'll find it out anyway. Of course I should. Now let us be strictly truthful. You saw Miss Maida fire the pistol? Yes, I was sitting almost beside Appleby. He was nearer Maida than I was, and she sat in the bay window reading. She sits there much of the time, and I'm so accustomed to her presence that I don't even think about it. We were talking pretty angrily, Appleby and I, really renewing the old feud and adding fuel to its flame with every word. I suppose Maida, listening, grew more and more indignant at his injustice and cruelty to me. Those terms are not too strong. And she, being of an impulsive nature, even revengeful when her love for me is touched, and I suppose she, somehow, possessed herself of my pistol and fired it. You were not looking at her before the shot? Oh, no, the shot rang out, Appleby fell forward, and even as I rose to go to his aid, I instinctively turned toward the direction from which the sound of the shot had come. There I saw Maida, standing white-faced and frightened, but with a look of satisfied revenge on her dear face. I felt no resentment at her act. Then, indeed, I was incapable of coherent thought of any sort. I stepped to Appleby's side, and I saw at once that he was dead, had died instantly. I cannot tell you just what happened next. It seemed ages before anybody came and then suddenly the room was full of people. Alan and Keefe came, running. The servants gathered about. My wife appeared, and Maida was there. I had a strange undercurrent of thought that kept hammering at my brain to the effect that I must convince everybody that I did it, to save my girl. I was clear-headed to the extent of planning my words in an effort to carry conviction of my guilt. But that effort so absorbed my attention that I gave no heed to what happened otherwise. Thank you, Mr. Wheeler, for your kindness. 
I assure you, you will not regret it. You're going to save her. You can save my little girl. Oh, Mr. Stone, I beg of you. The agonized father broke down completely, and Stone said kindly, Keep up a good heart, Mr. Wheeler. That will help your daughter more than anything else you can do. I assumed that if one of you were guilty, the other was shielding the criminal. But your story has straightened out the tangle considerably. Let me ask something, please, broke in Fibsy. Say, Mr. Wheeler, did you see the pistol in Miss Maida's hands? I can't say I did or didn't, Wheeler replied listlessly. I looked only at her face. I know my daughter's mind so well that I at once recognized her expression of horror mingled with relief. She had really desired the death of her father's enemy, and she was glad it had been accomplished. It's a terrible thing to say of one's own child, but I've made up my mind to be honest with you, Mr. Stone, in the hope of your help. I should have persisted in my own story of guilt, had I not perceived it was futile in the face of your clear-sighted logic and knowledge of the exact circumstances. You did wisely, but say nothing to anyone else for the present. Do not even talk to Miss Maida about it, until I have time to plan our next step. It is still a difficult and very delicate case. A single false move may queer the whole game. You think, then, you can save Maida? Oh, do give a tortured man a gleam of hope. I shall do my best. You know they rarely, if ever, convict a woman. And, too, Miss Wheeler had great provocation. Then, what about self-defense? Appleby threatened neither of us, Wheeler said. That can't be used. Well, we'll do everything we can. You may depend on that, Stone assured him. And Wheeler went away, relieved at the new turn things had taken, though also newly concerned for Maida's safety. Nice old chap, said Fibsy to Stone. He stuck to his faked yarn as long as the sticking was good, and then he caved in. Open and shut case, Terence? Open, but not yet shut. F. Stone. Now where do we go from here? You go where you like, boy. Leave me to grub at this alone. Without another word, Fibsy left the room. He well knew when Stone spoke in that serious tone that great thoughts were forming in that fertile brain, and sooner or later he would know of them. But at present his company was not desired. The boy drifted out on the terraced lawn and wandered about among the gardens. He, too, thought, but he could see no light ahead. So long as the old man saw her, he observed to himself, there's no more to be said. He'd never say he saw her shoot if he hadn't seen her. He's at the end of his rope, and even if they acquit the lady, I don't want to see her dragged through a trial. But where's any way of escape? What can turn up to contradict a straight story like that? Who else can testify except the eyewitness who has just spoken? I wonder if he realized himself how conclusive his statement was. But he trusted in F. Stone to get Maida off somehow. Queer how most folks think a detective is a magician. 
and can do the impossible trick in a brown study he walked slowly along the garden paths and was seen by keefe and maida who sat under the big sycamore tree crazy idea stone bringing that kid keefe said with a laugh yes but he's a very bright boy maida returned i've been surprised at his wise observations poppycock he gets off his speeches with that funny mixture of newsboy slang and detective jargon and you think they're cleverer than they are perhaps agreed maida not greatly interested but what a strange story rachel told do you believe it mr keefe yes i do the girl was frightened i think first at the information she tried to divulge and second by finding herself in the limelight she seems to be shy and i dare say the sudden publicity shook her nerves but why shouldn't her story be true why should she invent all that i don't know i'm sure but it didn't sound like rachel the whole thing i mean she seemed acting a part nonsense you imagine that but never mind her i've something to tell you i know maida mind you i know what mr appleby meant by the speech which i took to be mr keefe and the airship maida's face went white oh no she cried involuntarily oh no yes keefe went on and i know now that he said airship not strange i misunderstood for the words are of the same sound and then i had no reason to think of myself in connection with an airship and and have you now yes i have i've been over mr appleby's papers as i had a right to do you know i was his confidential secretary and he kept no secrets from me except those he wanted to keep go on said maida calm now and her eyes glistening with an expression of despair need i go on you know the truth you know that i am the rightful heir of this whole place sycamore ridge is mine and not your mother's yes the word was scarce audible poor maida felt as if the last blow had fallen she had seared her conscience defied her sense of honor crucified her very soul to keep this dreadful secret from her parents for their own sake and now all her efforts were of no avail curtis keefe knew that the great estate was legally his and now her dear parents would be turned out homeless penniless and broken down by sorrow and grief even though he might allow them to stay there they wouldn't she knew consent to any such arrangement she lifted a blanched stained face to his as she said what what are you going to do just what you say keefe replied drawing closer to her side it's all up to you maida dear don't look offended surely you know i love you surely you know my one great desire is to make you my wife give your consent say you will be mine and rest assured dearest there will be no trouble about the airship if you will marry me 
i will promise never to divulge the secret so long as either of your parents live they may keep this place and besides that darling i will guarantee to get your father a full pardon i well i'm not speaking of it yet but i'll tell you that there is a possibility of my running for governor myself since young sam is voluntarily out of it but in any case i have influence enough in certain quarters influence increased by knowledge that i have gleaned here and there among the late mr appleby's papers to secure a full and free pardon for your father now maida girl even if you don't love me very much yet can't you say yes in view of what i offer you how can you torture me so surely you know that i am engaged to mr allen i didn't know it was a positive engagement but anyway his voice grew hard it seems to me that any one so solicitous for her parents welfare and happiness as you have shown yourself will not hesitate at a step which means so much more than others you have taken oh i don't know what to do what to say let me think yes dear think all you like take it quietly now remember that a decision in my favor means also a calm peaceful and happy life insured to your parents refusal means a broken shattered life a precarious existence and never a happy day for them again can you hesitate i'm not so very unpresentable as a husband you may not love me now but you will i'll be so good to you that you can't help it nor do i mean to win your heart only by what i shall do for you for maida dearest love begets love and you will find yourself slowly perhaps but surely giving me your heart and we will be so happy is it yes my darling the girl stared at him her big brown eyes full of agony you forget something she said slowly i am a murderess hush don't say that awful word you are not and even if you were i'd prove you are not listen maida if you'll promise to marry me i'll find the real murderer not you or your father but the real murderer i'll get a signed confession i'll acquit you and your family of any implication in the deed and i'll produce the criminal himself now will you say yes you can't do all that she said speaking in an awestruck whisper as if he had proposed to perform a miracle i can i swear it then if you can do it you ought to do it anyway in the interests of right and justice in common honesty and decency you ought to tell what you know maida i am a man and i am in love with you that explains much i will do all i have promised to gain you as my bride but not otherwise as to right and justice you've confessed the crime haven't you yes do you confess it to me now do you say to me that you killed samuel appleby there was but a moment's pause and then maida said in a low tone yes i confess it to you mr keefe then do you see what i mean when i say i will produce the murderer 
do you see that i mean to save you from the consequences of your own rash act and prove you to the world at large innocent keith looked straight into maida's eyes and her own fell in confusion can you do it she asked tremulously when i say i will do a thing i've already proved to my own satisfaction that i can do it but i'll do it only at my own price the price being you you dear delicious thing oh maida you've no idea what it means to be loved as i love you i'll make you happy my darling i'll make you forget all this horrible episode i'll give you a fairyland life you shall be happier than you ever dreamed of but geoffrey oh i can't then miss wheeler you must take the consequences all the consequences can you do that no maida said after an interval of silence i can't i'm forced to accept your offer mr keefe you may not accept it with that address curtis then curtis i say yes End of chapter fifteen